Welcome to Products to Profits with Sarah J. Cross, the podcast for creative product fempreneurs who want to play a bigger game and upscale their business. This week's episode is brought to you by the Creative Product Institute. It's time to scale your business to the next level, stop wearing all the hats, and get the business and life balance that you dream of. Head to sarahjcross.com for more information. So welcome to the show. I'm Sarah J. Cross, and I'm here to support you on your journey to becoming a successful product biz owner with tips, strategies, and stories to support and guide you through the good times and the challenges of running a product-based business. Today, we're talking to Fiona Johnson, known as Fee, founder of Peach Business Management. She's a chartered accountant with 20 years experience working with many industries, including craft beer, organic food and beverage, tech, construction, design, and more. Fee relates to her clients on a human level and genuinely cares about making a difference. Welcome, Fee. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. And hello, everybody listening. (laughs) So I'm really excited to chat to you. Anyone that's um, good at money management and, you know, money coaching is, um, you know, someone that I really um, look up to. So tell me a bit more about what you do. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. So, yeah, as you said, I'm a chartered accountant and I've been doing this kind of work for 20 years now. And what I mean by this kind of work is that I do business mentoring and I operate as a CFO and help with um, forecasts and business plans for purpose-led businesses. So, you know, my clients range from solo um, service providers, makers, um, you know, teams of 20 and and the largest client I work with is a team of up to 150. And the thing that groups together all of my clients is that they are using their businesses as a force for good. So for some of them, that's about um, recycling. For others, it's about organic food. For others, um, I work with a company that does um, uh, bullying workshops in high schools, uh, social media agencies using their business for good. So yeah, they're all doing wonderful things. And that's my niche. Yeah, that's fabulous. So why is it vital to plan your financial goals in business? Mm, yeah, good question. So I think when we're, um, when we're trying to think about what our financial goals are, what we're trying to do is to test out our assumptions. So before we have a plan to use, you know, you might be going off gut instinct, which is a very powerful instinct and will take you a long way. But if you want to use your gut instinct plus some um, some actual numbers that are based on some assumptions, then putting a forecast together is a really powerful way of, yeah, just boosting that gut instinct that you're already working from. Mm. And, you know, putting a, um, a financial, having financial goals will actually help to create a roadmap so you know where it is that you're trying to get to. Yeah. And then you'll be able to break down the steps. So, If you have a goal of, um, say, your goal is $100,000 of revenue, well, what does that actually look like if we break it down? Is that working with 100 clients in a year? Is it processing 10 orders a week um, to to get to that number? So really breaking it down so you can actually see, well, how do I actually get to that goal? And what I've also noticed is that um, for those of us who have um, anxiety, having a plan can be really helpful, especially when you're having a really 
um, difficult anxiety day because it actually gives you something to look at that's a real number that you can use to kind of plan yeah um but you know the 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 main reason why or one of the most important reasons why we want to have financial goals is because you need to be able to see when your business is going to be hungry for cash yeah so that you can put plans in place to kind of um work your work your way up to that yeah that's really good and and i like what you said about anxiety because Mm. um, there are plenty of times and plenty of challenges in any business where you know, it draws on cash flow and projections and um, and it can mean the difference between lying awake at night, worrying about whether you're going to be able to um, afford those next steps in your business or if yeah. things are going to keep going. So it's kind of setting like measurable bite-sized goals. That's right. Uh, breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. And what I've also noticed in my time, so I've had my business for 10 years and before that I spent 10 years working always with small and medium business. That's my passion. Um, I think a lot of business owners actually do have anxiety and or depression and I don't know if it's because of the stress involved in having a business Mm -hmm. or if it's that um, people who have those um, things that they're working through, whether they find business ownership Um, kind of fits better into their lifestyle so I think yeah we really need to be mindful of what are um, what is our mental health and what can we do to um, yeah what plans can we put in place to kind of work around that yeah and I think that's why it's so important as I've been in business now same as you for you know more than 20 years Mm. the importance of not going it alone the importance of having a support network of expert advisors trusted advisors or having a a, another really great like-minded community of other business owners in a small group that get Mm, you yeah can get you through those times because I think that there's so many times in business during you know times of even when there's large-scale orders coming through it's exciting but also at the same time can really increase someone's anxiety levels yeah um, so much so it's it's it can be quite isolating being in business. It can be quite a lonely place. So it's actually totally. so important to be able to um, connect with others that are like-minded or connect with um, someone like yourself or someone like me with the business coaching where you're not mm. going it alone, where you're actually mm. getting another sounding board um, yeah. and putting in that roadmap, I think gives people um, more clarity and less overwhelm so that they can track and see if they've had a bad day it's not so bad when they look at the the picture of where they have come Mm. and where they've grown their business to yeah I think what you said is really important about having a strong uh, support network around you and what I heard and what I know is that it's important to get the right people around you and the, the right people for you might not be the same as the right people for your bestie who's also got a business. I yeah. think we yeah. need to be really careful that the people that we're working with, um, you know, deeply understand our goals and what we're working towards and that they push us just as much as, um, as is, you know, suitable for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has to be an alignment, doesn't there, of understanding and values. Um for that to work and yeah for for everyone to be supportive and give honest feedback but also help to um help support you to get to where you want to go yeah 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 oh that's really good um so what are the top tips for planning 
your financial goals in your small business? Yeah. So like I said before, um, breaking your goal down into small parts is so important because it doesn't really make any sense to have a goal like $100,000 of revenue or a million dollars of revenue or, um, you know, my, my more uh, preferred goal, which is about profit. Yes. Um, it doesn't really make any sense to just have this goal of $100,000 if you actually don't know what you need to do to get there. Yes. So if you're a service provider, what is your hourly rate and how many hours a year are you likely to be able to um, earn for? Or if you're an e-com business, what's your average order size? Yeah. How weight do you actually need to hit to actually get to that, that target? So I think breaking it down into small units is really yeah. important. And quantifying something, like you said, you know, there's one thing to have these big goals that might be 12 months down the track, but quantifying and breaking it and almost reverse engineering it to say, yeah. this is what you need. So yeah, when you have like a, a bad day or a quiet week, you can look and say, well, I've actually just done my biggest month ever. In yeah. Sales. You know, it's actually yeah. not so bad after all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think breaking it down helps us to know how we're going to achieve that um, goal and I think the how is as important or more important than the what that we're trying to to achieve yeah I think we can also look at our financial goals as a a way of manifesting and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter whether you're into woo woo or or the cosmic universe or not Um, you can use whichever term makes sense for you but I see putting figures out into an Excel spreadsheet as perhaps the first step towards actually achieving those because you can see them, you're um, taking the steps to actually get to those goals so you know what that average order size needs to be and you know um, how many orders you need to do uh, per week to get to that goal. Mm. So I think it's it's a great manifesting tool and I'm not going to bother telling you about the statistics about how much more likely you are to achieve your goals if you have a if you have a goal because we all know that okay but for some people there's still a some kind of a block in terms of not wanting to do their forecast because of you know a variety of reasons so what I would say is you know think of your um, business plan or your forecast as your manifesting tool Mm. and then just remember you don't have to have everything ready to be able to start forecasting. It's okay if you're feeling a bit disorganized or you're in a bit of a state of flux in your business. There's no, um, I I see people quite often telling me that they wanted to start working with me on a forecast, but they just didn't feel ready yet. But the point is that doing the forecast is part of the work to actually get you ready. ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it can be a bit messy going in. Um, yeah. It's still going to be a valuable process. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically just get started. Just, exactly. Just um, bite the bullet and get started and, and get planning to, and I agree with you with the manifestation. I think, um, you know, accountability is one thing, but things that you might be avoiding out of fear of it actually coming true of yeah. being successful is is one thing I think because I I work only with creative women I mm. see that sometimes they do have certain money blocks or yeah. limiting limiting self-beliefs where they perhaps need a little bit of a push mm. and a little bit of accountability and um, I know 
I've I've been witness and something that I really enjoy is the retreats that I run mm. where everyone comes together and there's such a power in um, that human contact, you know, human um, face-to-face connection. Mm. And goal setting is one of those really big things that I focus on uh, for clients when we come, when they come to the retreat. Uh, one of those, couple of those, uh, for example, I've seen transformations happen by that manifestation. I think also verbalizing it as mm. well. So actually owning it and saying, this is my goal. I'm now at this point, if my business hits the seven figure mark, I'm going to purchase myself an upgrade car. And yeah. I had that with a client that came in my to my September retreat as part of my mastermind. And she purchased a Range Rover, her dream mm. car. Mm. at the end of financial year like she she nailed it and Mm. that was the goal that she set um and she told me you know so it was it was amazing to see the transformation of you know sometimes people just need to um step it up and own it and manifest it and then it's amazing when it's actually visualized what actually happens it's not like it's magic it actually you make it happen by owning it yeah I think you touched on something there, which I really believe in. And I think there is nothing as powerful as saying something out loud. Mm. And um, I encourage everybody, um, you know, I think that's one of the major benefits of seeing a mentor like myself or a business coach like you is getting to hear your thoughts out loud. So, um, you know, it's really difficult for you to achieve something like um, say if you wanted to, run a marathon the first step is telling someone that you want to run a marathon and then once it's out in the world you need to start working out well what are the steps between here and there and you committed yeah Yeah. like if you're an artist a musical artist and you're thinking well I want to um, create an album you probably need to tell somebody that you're going to create an album in order for you to start the steps between here and there. Yeah, it is a process, isn't mm. it? And it's also sometimes um, I, I've seen witness this a lot in the four years I've been a business coach is that sometimes overthinking or getting in your own way, you're the problem. You yeah. know, like yeah. that that's actually the biggest mountain to move. Yeah. Um, because, you know, usually that's all that needs to sort of change is the... Uh, just having the accountability, verbalising what it is that you want to do. Mm. And then all of a sudden that's what I get to, you know, I enjoy seeing that empowerment and that confidence grow, working with clients to get them to those end goals, you know, mm. and, and and seeing them achieve them is quite amazing. Yeah. I think it's almost always us that's in the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all have different ways of working through those, those things. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. So, Fee, what's essential for a business owner to know when it comes to their financial goals? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say, and I think this is quite a common idea that people have, is the goal is not to get it right. It's to see what if. So when when you're putting together a forecast or a business plan or a budget, whichever way you want to do it, it's the goal isn't to accurately predict exactly what's going to happen in your business. Um, Cause I often have people say to me, but it's, we're in the middle of COVID. So is there any point in doing a forecast? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. what we're trying to do with a forecast is to see what happens if these things happen in our business. Yeah. What happens if we process this many orders a week? 
happens if we're able to get our cost of goods down by one percent what does that look like um you know so don't think that you can't start a forecast because you're not going to get it right nobody gets their forecast right and that is not the goal okay and like we've been saying i think seeing those numbers on a page can be the first step to believing that you can Mm. get there yeah and you know my role as um, business mentor is to put the numbers on the page and then help the person in front of me um I work with a lot of women, not exclusively women, but I do work with a lot of women. And sometimes I can see that there's a lot of power in me saying, with these numbers, you could get to 250,000 income. And it, it, I can see that it, there's almost a physical reaction from the person receiving that information because they've never seen that they could ever get to that number yeah. before. Yeah. So I think, you know, putting these financial goals together and knowing the steps to get there can be a really powerful way of starting to get used to the idea in your mind mm. that that is, that, it, that is where you're at. Yeah. Um, you know, the really um, important thing is to focus more on profit than revenue. Yes. I think if you listen to some of those really horrible snake oil salesman kind of videos that are floating around um, social media land, you know, oh, I was destitute living on in someone's couch and everything was terrible and now I'm turning over a million dollars a year. Mm. And I think, you know, it's easy to turn over a million dollars a year if you put 950000 into advertising. Yeah. So, you know, there's plenty of ways to get your revenue to a million dollars or to 200000 or to 50000 But if it's not profitable, then um, you've really got to understand what is, why am I doing this? Yeah. What, is, what is behind this? So I would say anybody who's focusing on just talking about revenue is just talking ego. Mm. You know, they say uh, revenue is ego, profit is um, sanity. Yeah. Cash flow is reality. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I don't even know who said it. It's been around for so long. It's yeah. definitely not my saying. Um, but the, the, I think the really important thing that I'd like to say about what's essential to know when it comes to your financial goals is your financial go- goals are not going to resonate with you if they don't mean anything to mm. you. So what I mean by that is you need to tie everything back to your purpose, your values and the impact that you want to make. Mm. Because if you can't see that making a profit of X dollars um, translates exactly to this many families being able to enjoy the artwork that I created or, um, you know, if the impacts, because I know um, all of your clients are e-com businesses, so... I'm trying to phrase it from that point of view, you know, if, um, you know, you're selling beautiful puzzles, then um, thinking about the amount of families that are sitting around a table doing a puzzle together. Yeah. If that's the impact that you're trying to create is actually about connection mm. of the family or, um, you know, art being therapy in somebody's home, then you need to make sure that your goals have those numbers in there, that they have some kind of meaning behind them because, for most or all of the people that I work with at least, um, being profitable and being financially well isn't their main driving goal. Yes. Their main driving goal is to create an impact. Mm. 
And what I am always educating them on is you cannot make an impact if you are not profitable. The two things go perfectly hand in hand. Yeah, together. Yeah, that's mm. true. Yeah. 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 Well, this is actually turning into more of a holistic, um, you know, uh, podcast. I was actually thinking you're a bit more bean counter now. No, I'm, I'm definitely very holistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is really great because that's where I come from. I come from that space too. And I, I truly believe that um, you can visualise and manifest anything yeah. um, to get to where you want to go, but it has to obviously have a strong uh, connection to your values yeah for it to work yeah um, and in in order for it to actually for you to be passionate about it because the clients that I've helped um scale scale businesses um are the ones that have never set out it's never been about the money it's, yeah you know it's actually about creating opportunities for them to have a lifestyle with their children or their families or it's from a much deeper level so, um, Fee, tell me, are there sort of, have you found in your experience, like sort of the biggest, what are the biggest traps when it comes to business growth for businesses? Yeah, I love this question. I love it. Um, I think one of the, um, one of the biggest uh, issues that I see or the traps that I see when people are trying to grow their business is that they're not planning for that growth. Mm, yeah. Their cash flow starts to get dry. Yeah. And one thing that a lot of business owners don't know before they become business owners is that your business is going to be hungry for cash when you are growing. Yes. And the faster that you grow, the hungrier your business will be for cash. Okay. Yeah. So um, if you're not planning for that, then you are probably going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah. And the reason that happens is it's actually pretty straightforward when you think about it. You don't sell something until after you've paid for whatever it was that needed to create that um, revenue. So if you're a product business, you probably need to pay for your product or at least the materials that go into your product months before yeah. you actually sell that product and then receive the money for it. If you're a service business, the same applies because you need to hire people and get them trained up and get them started long before they actually start making an income for you. So there's always a delay between growth and yeah. Um, cash flow. Yeah. So, yeah, making sure that you're planning for that is really important. Yeah. Um, the second thing I'd say is just growing for the sake of it and not because it's part of your values or your goals. Yeah. And I often see this with clients that I've been working with for a few years. You know, they're growing, they're growing. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they kind of get to this place and they think, what am I doing here? Mm. And they'll say to me, Fee, I think we need to hire two more people. And I'll say, let's just stop and reflect here. Mm. Is that what you want? Yeah. Is it actually what you want to have a bigger team or to have more products or to be selling in, in, um, in America or to, you know, grow your business in, in such a way? So really thinking about does this actually suit me or am I just doing it because mm. it seems like the right thing to do? Yeah, yeah. The third trap that I see is founder exhaustion, burnout and martyrdom. Mm. I see a lot of founders out there um, going into that sort of martyr role of, oh, you know, I've worked seven days a week for the last 20 months and, 
you know, everything's um, so hard. Well, that's not actually going to serve you or your business or your community. Yeah. And I think if you're growing and growing and growing and that's meaning that you're doing more and more hours, yeah. you need to stop and reflect and think clearly what I'm doing, it's working for my clients because, you know, I'm growing, mm-hmm. but it's unsustainable. Yeah. And I think that exhaustion and burnout that comes from just growing so fast for so long, it can really hit you. Yeah, I have conversations with many people who are sort of at that burnout stage, yet a lot of them are sort of got this whole thing in their head that they can't think about delegating because who else could do the job yeah. as best as they can? Yeah. Um, and that's basically the biggest thing because uh, I work with clients for scalability, that's mm. the biggest hindrance when it comes to working out what it is you really want. Because, mm. you know, you people start out to sort of have a business to complement their life and what ends up happening is the business is controlling them, the business yeah. is running them. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it kind of bites them basically, bites them mm. on the butt, you know, because it's not working for yeah. them as what they thought it was going to be and they yeah. haven't been able to let go mm. of certain parts of their business that really they shouldn't actually be working on anymore in those yeah areas. yeah and that leads on to another point which is um one thing that I see people doing when they're growing which is a trap is hiring the wrong people mm. to help with your busy yeah you know we need to plan in advance for the staff that are coming yeah. We need to plan financially for their arrival and we need to plan um, procedurally and, you know, we yeah. need to work out our processes and procedures um, and hiring somebody when you're right in the busyness is probably not going to result in the best hire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So it's actually forecasting and planning for that ideal person's role to step in. And that means then letting go of wearing all the hats as well for that founder. And I do, I have a lot of conversations with women who are either at that burnt out stage Mm. or they're at that stage where they might have sort of got to a point where um, it's been growing and growing and growing. And they've said, well, I've just been winging it. I don't know how I got here. Yeah, it's yeah, just, that's the gut instinct. It's just happened. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, the gut instinct is really powerful. But I think if you're, I think you get to a point where you've been working so hard for so long that you actually let go of the, somehow you lose the connection in your brain or your soul that, you know, you can't keep doing this and that prioritizing your self care. Um, is crucial and when I say self-care I don't necessarily mean things like going for spa treatments and having alone time of course those things are important but one of the really important things that I put in the self-care box is living within your means Mm -hmm. and making sure that your business is living within its means so (laughs) yeah because I see when businesses are growing that's when they're most likely to start spending money on things that actually don't that aren't needed and actually yeah. don't benefit their business. Yeah. Mm. Probably like buying that new car. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Um, so what are your top tips, Fee, uh, for creating a slow, sustainable business growth that's going to have all those things that you talked about um, so well? 
Yeah. So the first thing I would say is keep it simple. Simple businesses are perfection. Mm. You know, businesses that are really clear about exactly what they do, who they do it for and why. Yeah. Um, those are the businesses that are sustainable, they're profitable, they have longevity, their customers yeah. love them. Yeah. So I think if you're going to uh, add things to your business, you need to also look at what you can remove. Yes. So staying simple can be a really powerful way of um, growing in a slow, sustainable way. Yeah. I think on the same vein, look at what's working and do more of that. Yeah. You know, the great thing about small and medium business is that we can decide something today and have it launched into the world tomorrow. Yes, it's so fast. And, you know, launching something, in it's so fast and we're so free to make these choices. Yeah. And I think if you put something out into the world and it doesn't work, great, let's move on to what does. Yeah. Yeah. So focusing on what's working, um, I think if you're not sure what to focus on, focus on value. So how can I create more valuable, a more valuable service or product so that I can provide more value to my customers or my audience and therefore charge appropriately? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's because really, really good. The, the issue that I find with most businesses when they come to me and they're in that burnout stage or their cash flow isn't right and they can't work it out, it can be solved as simply as putting your price up. Yeah, I know, that's something <laughs> I specialise in. <laughs> and it's mind-blowing how people just think, no, it just can't be that simple. Yes, I know. And it, I sometimes laugh, when was the last time you reviewed your pricing and yeah. um you know uh and when did you put your prices up oh well probably two years ago yeah I'm like I think that needs to be reviewed and, and yeah and that's all it simply means is that generally as a rule most product owners that work with me I'd say 90% of them are underpriced yeah 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 and I think that that can come from a money mindset um block it can come from you know a variety of different places sometimes it's a little fear of you know could, would someone pay that or what if I was told that that's too expensive you know mm. what if I was offended by someone saying that yeah and people will say that to you yeah absolutely people will tell you it's too expensive and that's when you will thank them for their feedback and um and let them go and find somebody who is providing exactly what they want at yeah. exactly the right price for them. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. the advice. That's exactly the advice I give them. Yeah. So focusing on value because when you when you are seen as valuable, you're providing something that is emotionally valuable or physically valuable or time saving or beautiful or whatever it is. You can charge. Um, you know, appropriately. And that allows you to run your business in a slow, sustainable way. Mm. And yes, I think I in the same vein, improve the customer experience as often as you can and just keep focusing on your customers and their needs. Mm. I see a lot of businesses focus so much on their processes and their technology and getting all of that right. Mm. Um, and of course, those things are really important. But I think if we're spending more time in our little bat cave working on processes, mm. then we are thinking about customers and talking to customers and sending emails or DMs to customers and, and seeing what, what people are actually asking for. That's where the gold is. Yeah. So if you have a business that is totally focused on customer service, customer experience and creating value, 
you're always going to have a profitable business. Yeah, yeah, mm. a well-nurtured business, yeah. Yeah. And so what would be um, your sort of top couple of tips for forecasting? Yep. So start with what you already know and work from there. So if you, I mean, I do all of my forecasting in Excel. There are other tools that you can use that are a bit more um, advanced. So there's a really great uh, tool for creating business plans called Live Plan. So L-I-V-E plan.com. That puts together a whole business plan and the forecasting part of that is very powerful. Um, But I think um, for almost all of my businesses, I get started with Excel. Yeah, it's just such a powerful tool. Go back to basics. Yeah. Yeah. So think about what you know already about your business and go for there. So what are your prices? How many of that service or product are you selling per month? Um, Get it back to that sort of granular level and look at what you have spent money on in the past because that's generally a good um, representation of what your expenses are going to be going forward. Yeah. Um, I always put a price rise for both my costs and my income every year at least. Yeah. And that's just part of that is um, a reminder to do that. Yeah. And um, that's always considered. Yeah. 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 So in my forecast, I always include an increase. Um, I usually put an increase of 5% mm. of for your costs. Even if yeah. your business isn't going to change, I'll still put a 5% price increase in there for all of your um, suppliers just so it's in there and then with your pricing I definitely want to change what you want you to increase your pricing every year too Mm. and for some businesses that might be five percent sometimes it's possible to double your price in within a year if it's all about honing in on exactly that customer that wants to work with you and providing exactly the amount of value that they want to receive from you Yeah. yeah So the next thing that I'd say is, um, yeah, like I talked before, give some meaning to your numbers. Mm-hmm. So don't just make your forecast all about revenue and expenses and yeah. profit. Put in some t- statistics in there that are going to help to humanise what you're putting together. Yeah, I like that. So is, yeah, so is there, you know, for an e-commerce business, is that about, you know, is the number of orders about the number of people that you're working with, is it, you know, if you provide a business, if you have a business that donates um, 1%, if you're doing the 1% for the planet, for example, which a lot of my clients do, you know, actually showing that on your, you know, dashboard. Yeah, you know, yeah. What, you know, I know one of my clients, which are called Arlo & Co, they have this fantastic, uh, they're an e-com business. They have this fantastic um, tool at checkout, which is um Now I can't remember what the business is called, but um, I'm sure people will know of it. So when you check out, you get to choose where your donation Ah, is. I think it's called I I Know or I Care. Okay. I Um, have heard of it. And then you can sort of choose well. I have done that with a skincare product purchase. So proceeds can go towards ocean care or um, exactly. Forest giving back to you know with trees or for wildlife or you know it can yeah it's about giving I think it's like a dollar donation or that's right yeah and so the dollar is is already covered in the um you know that donation is being made by the business owner but you get to choose which of the three causes that they're interested in so 
you know, putting that front and centre on your uh, mm. forecast. So how much is that going to be? Um, and then I think, you know, um, thinking about where you're, so why, how and what, which yeah. is a Simon Sinek, it starts with yeah. why concept. How yeah. does that actually sit in with your forecast? Yeah. Because your what is your revenue, your how is about your expenses and what it costs to deliver that um, that what, and the why is really very closely linked with your profit or some other metric in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and my last one, which is not really about the forecasting itself, but it's about how to actually use that forecast. Look at your forecast once a month. Mm. Don't just do the forecast for the sake of it. Don't, it's just yeah. for the same reason you don't, get a social media strategy done and then leave it in the drawer. Yeah. If you're going to go through that process, you need to check in on it really regularly. Yeah. And so I encourage all of my clients, the work that I do for them, this is what I'm doing for them, is creating a monthly report for them. But you can do that yourself just by checking in on, you know, what did my forecast, what did I forecast would happen this month and what did happen this month? Yeah. And how can I kind of reconcile the two and what can I learn from that? Yeah, yeah, that's mm. great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how can business owners become more confident with money fee and their financial goals? Yeah, I love this. I'm so passionate about financial literacy and one of the things I'm seeing at the moment is that it's becoming more and more available online. So what I would say is seek out information about your financial literacy because it's becoming more and more it's easier than ever to access that information online and in books. The second thing I'd say is if your accountant isn't increasing your financial literacy, ask them to mm. or get a new one. Yeah. That's because, a great one. Yeah. you know, if your accountant isn't allowing you to ask questions at the end of the year or isn't prompting questions from you, yeah. then they're not doing their job. Yeah. Okay. And if you're if you're finding that you only get to see your accountant once a year and you never feel like you kind of know what to say, that means that they're not actually communicating well enough with you. So you might want to go looking for a new one. Yeah. You know, because I say ask as many questions as you can. And if your questions are in your words, silly, um, your accountant should never um, make you feel silly when they answer them for you because yeah. accounting isn't straightforward. So it's perfectly understandable that you might see your tax return or your financial statements and not understand them. That's perfectly reasonable to not understand them. So um, ask as many questions as you can and look at those reports as you know for as long as you can to try to see what is starting to make sense here? And then I'd say, you know, which is something that's come up a, quite a bit in our conversation is listen to the stories that you have made up about yourself and about the fact that you're not good with numbers or you've never been good at managing yeah. your money or you'll yeah. never be able to understand it or your yeah. husband has always been the one that takes after the, the money or your wife or your girlfriend or your sister or whatever. Um, think, hear those stories that you're saying in your head and challenge them. Yeah. Because everybody can become more financially literate. Yeah. And part of what we need to do is let go of this idea that we're not good at numbers. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you some examples of how women are great with numbers. Also men too, but we're talking to mainly women today. You are great at um, meal planning. 
you know exactly how much food you need to buy each week to to fit into the meals of the week you know exactly how to train for a marathon and how many kilometers you need to run each week in the lead up you know exactly to how to run an event you know what 50 people in a room is going to look like and what you need to do to manage that you know how to paint you know how to sew all of these things are about numbers mm. And I think we're so confident with certain numbers. Like some people love putting on a dinner party and they know exactly how much is going to be there. Um, But then when it comes to their finances, this story comes into their mind that I'm not good with money. Yeah. So I think listen to those stories, challenge them, and then go looking for times in your life where you've made a great financial decision. And that might have just been, it might have been something small. Like maybe it was, I asked my accountant a question this year. Mm. And give yourself a pat on the back for doing that. Yeah. Maybe you need to go looking for examples of where you were able to save up for a holiday that you went on Mm. and think about how wonderful it was to um, be able to save for that holiday and go on it. So go go looking for examples that that counter your story. Yeah your stories in your head because that's yeah. the thing. it's about it's about sort of I guess being a business owner you have to be accountable and you have to uh, learn new skills and you yeah. can't have those beliefs that might have been ingrained in your subconscious from you know from in as children they say between the ages of six and twelve that's what's embedded in their subconscious what they mm. hear from you know those around them and their their upbringing yeah, uh, and I I also think too sometimes people who are highly creative tend to really only want to focus on that, not actually on the whole business as a mm. as a whole holistic whole business in terms yeah. of what they need to achieve, regardless of how good their product is or um of how how much in demand. There are many people that don't run a profitable business mm. because they choose to not ask questions to their accountant because they fear that they're going to look silly or that they um, are going to sound like they don't know what they're doing. Mm. So I I like that you said that is make um, your accountant, um, you know, challenge you or help you to increase your confidence with your, with the financial literacy in your business. Mm. So you can actually um, have more of an understanding of looking at reports or keeping an eye on things mm. um, because it really has to come down to the business owner to take accountability for those yeah. things. Um, yeah. but it, when and it's a bit of empowerment, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And when your accountant or bookkeeper or CFO like myself or your business coach is encouraging you to do that, it's a lot easier than if yes. you're kind of feeling like you're coming up against a brick wall. Yes. And I often meet business owners who have been working with a tax accountant for 20 years and they actually don't, they can't answer really simple questions that I might ask them. So I might say, you know, what was your revenue last year or, um, you know, how many orders a week do you roughly do? And they they don't know. Yes. And it's because they've sort of outsourced the, the finances to somebody else and haven't stayed um, informed. And yeah. I put the accountant at, not at blame, but I think it's the accountant and um, the accounting industry has a long way to go in terms of improving our communication with clients yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually communicating in language that is 
just normal everyday language instead of using these words that nobody actually uses. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, that's the fear is that if I ask a question and they give it to me, not in layman's terms, but in mm. um, in that finan- in financial wording, I still won't understand it. So there I'm going to feel really foolish. I'm going to have to go away and try and work that out. Yeah, and try and Google the word, yes. whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think most people have that fear at, at the start and I think that they can, working with the right type of um, financial professional will help them increase their confidence, read mm. the, read their reports and, um, you know, build their confidence up so that they can actually ask those questions so they feel mm. comfortable and they don't feel silly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm so, this has been so much more, um, in ter- so much more in terms of just talking with someone who you sometimes just assume that they're going to talk just mainly about finances and, and more about, um, this has been more about having a business that connects with you on a deeper level and mm. figuring out your why, like figuring out your purpose in having a business and what, what good it's going to do for the world like you said mm. you know, that that's your niche yeah it's really important <laughs> that you found it yeah <laughs> so I just think you. you know what I can't imagine having a business that I didn't feel deeply connected to um, and I think if you're only chasing revenue and profitability mm. I can almost guarantee that you're going to reach this pinnacle that you've been working towards Mm. and it's probably not going to feel as good as you thought it was going to because you haven't actually put anything deeper into your business Mm. to actually really um, motivate and drive you. Yeah, and that that passion is the driver, isn't it? Yeah. The connection is the the commitment to work. And as we know, small business, you know, it is hard work. It Mm. requires a big commitment. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks so much, Fee, for being here with us today. Pleasure. If um, everyone, I mean, have obviously taken away so many uh, fabulous nuggets from, uh, you know, having you here as a guest, if they want to learn more and find out where they can, um, you know, go and visit you on socials and things like that, what can you pass on your your web address or your Yeah. Yeah. So um, my Instagram handle is peach.business. And yes. on Facebook, I am Peach Business Management. Yes. And you can check out my website at peachbm.com.au. Great, peachbm.com.au. That's fabulous. Yeah. So thanks so much, Fee, again. And if you've missed anything today or you'd like to go back and revisit Fee's advice again in more detail, you can click on the link to download today's show notes and get a copy of everything we talked about today in your email inbox. It's time for me to say goodbye and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks, Sarah. Loved this episode of Products to Profits? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.